Bienvenidos, I'm your host Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Warning, some stories and information on Creepy Chisme may be triggering and are not suitable for all, especially young children. Please listen with caution. Thank you. Hola mi gente, it's Lore. Welcome to another episode of Creepy Chisme. It is spooky season, y'all. Well, it has been spooky season. But I haven't done any of my spooky activities yet, you know, to make it feel like the Halloween season is here. Ugh, work has been kicking my ass. I don't know what happened to us after the pandemic, but I don't want to be the little person anymore. I don't want to be under someone telling me what to do. You know, I do a lot at my job. A lot. I do a lot for a lot of people. And it's like I feel so bad the times I say no. And it should not be that way. I should not feel bad for telling somebody no, like I can't do it. But then they still make you feel bad for saying no, you know? So then I was just like, you know what? I want to be the one in charge. But it's like, I'm in my mid-30s, almost. Almost. (laughs) And I just, I I am at a point where like, I want to be the boss, you know? And if that means starting my own business or becoming an entrepreneur and doing my own thing, then maybe that's what I need to do. And I have the opportunity to do that right now. Or did I just get so comfortable working from home and doing the bare minimum and being told it was a great job and now being told, ah, you're not doing so great, even though we're doing triple the work, quadruple the work, right? I don't know. Just a thought. Sorry. Just needed to vent and get that out there. I don't know. Do we all feel the same right now? (laughs) working sucks and it's like I'll never work to be wealthy I will always work to just live you know and what for we're just gonna die anyway you know (laughs) okay I don't mean to depress y'all I don't mean to depress you I just had a bad day at work anyway yes it is spooky season I want to talk about a little bit about Halloween if you saw my Instagram post I want to give some Halloween facts that some of you might know some of you might not know I didn't know some of these, so that will be interesting. Uh, I want to do that before every episode for the rest of the month. And I also want all my stories to have something to do with Halloween. So either they happened around Halloween, on Halloween, and believe it or not, there's quite a few. So I have a good one for you today, of course, like always. But before we get into that, I do need to mention that today it was released by the coroner that Gabby Petito was murdered by strangulation. So ladies and gentlemen, we now have a murder suspect on the loose. Do you think he's still alive? I don't know. Now here's something I do know, and I may have said this in a previous episode, but I'm going to say it again. If this was your child who ran away from home, and you know that he murdered someone or his girlfriend is missing in action, would you garden? (laughs) Like, would you garden to pass the time knowing people are watching you? all around your house, would you take the time to garden? And then there was this whole conspiracy theory that they have these boxes in their garden, so raised, I think they're called raised beds, and so it looked like Miss Laundry handed something to someone. People are crazy. They zoomed in as far as they could, but of course when you zoom in, things get fuzzy, 
and they claim it looks like a hand reaches up and grabs whatever it is. Someone even went as far to say it was ranch dressing. <laughs> I'm not kidding, y'all. And if that was me hiding in there, I'd probably be getting some ranch dressing because I love ranch dressing. But anyway, I don't know how true that is. I think it sounds a little crazy. Um, but yeah, they think that he has like some crazy tunnel system under the under his parents' house or I don't know. But then you have people who have drone footage of him running through the forest and hiding behind trees. And so then it raises the question that I said earlier, is he alive? Do you think he's alive? Mm, me personally, at this point, no. At this point, I think we're just going to find another body. If we find his body. But shame on his family. Shame on them for not helping, especially now. I'm curious to see if they will come out and help because now we know she was murdered. We'll see what happens there. In reading all of the Gabby Petito stuff that was trending today, I do want to bring attention to another story that I found that it isn't getting as much media attention. Now, yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day. And you can fight me on this. It was nothing else. It was Indigenous Peoples Day, a day to remember. However, we should be remembering every day. You know, we've heard in the news about all those school children that were found buried in those schools. We've heard about all the missing women that just yearly are going missing and found murdered. So remember that, guys. Let's not forget because the media doesn't like to talk about indigenous people as well as women of color. So people of color, sorry. But while looking through all the Gabby Petito stuff, I found a case that also recently came up that has no attention. So I want to mention her name is Bessie Walker. She was a 27-year-old mother who went missing weeks before uh, being found dead in August. Now, her body was found just a short distance from a family member's home. She was a mother of three. Their ages were 12, 7, and 4. And she was a member of the Big Sandy Rancheria tribe. She went missing from her hometown in Albury, California on August 8th. Two weeks later, like I said, they found her about 100 yards from a family member's home. Now, in the beginning, her family said that the sheriff's office was updating them, telling them what they want to hear. You know, we're doing our best. We're on top of it. We're going to find who murdered your sister. Now, the sheriff's department said that they have spent hundreds of hours investigating this crime. However, the family criticizes them and want to file a lawsuit against the sheriff's office because, first of all, they have determined the cause of death as undetermined, meaning they're not saying if she was murdered or not. Nothing has been publicly posted about it since August, and her family is left wondering what the hell happened. Nothing is being done anymore. The case has not been brought to the media. Now, I want to explain something. When people are speaking up like I am right now, we are in no way saying that it isn't a good thing to give attention to the Gabby Petito case. Instead, what we're saying is that Black and Indigenous women, especially, deserve the same level of investigation, that they deserve the same attention from the media and everyone. Now, I want you to hear something. So people are looking more into this. So somebody discovered in New York, in California, they looked at over 247 missing people reports and found that 34% of the cases involving white teens were covered by the media or even just brought up versus just 
7% of the cases involving black teens and 14% involving Latinx kids. Think about those numbers. The difference between 7%, 14%, and 34%, that is huge. That's huge. And you cannot tell me otherwise. Now, like I said, nothing has come of the case of Bessie Walker. It's sad that this is the way our country works. And to be honest, as a true crime writer, I have a lot of trouble finding stories on people of color. And it shouldn't be that difficult. It really shouldn't. But if you even search on YouTube true crime, you will get story after story after story of white people, foreign people, before you even get to people of color. Now, the stories I know of are because around this area, we have lots of people of color, and so I hear their names once or twice, and then I have to search, like really search, for information on them. It's not easy. You have to stop and think, why? Why is it not easy? It angers me. It really does. So again, I don't want to depress (laughs) y'all, but I just, that needed to be said and that needed to be shared, especially with yesterday being Indigenous Peoples Day. It was a reminder that, hey, this is going on. Keep your eyes open and pay attention. So like I said, it is spooky season, y'all. And before I get into our Halloween murder story, I do want to give you some Halloween facts. Not too many, because I want to save some for later. So here are some not-so-crazy ones. Now, the celebration of Halloween is actually a combination of different celebrations throughout the years from different cultures and religions at various times in history. Now, the ancient Celtic people... They celebrated something called Samhain. I think I said that right. Now that was pretty much marking the end of harvest season. It was a time when the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred and ghosts could come back and visit the earth. Now after the Roman Empire conquered the Celtic people, their festivals of Feralia, I think is how you say it, Um, which is where Romans honored the passing of the dead, and a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees, so like the harvest sort of. They were combined with Samhain. Now, taking place on November 1st, the Catholic holiday of All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, also contributes to the history of Halloween. It honors the saints who have attained heaven. Now, celebrated one day later on November 2nd, All Souls Day, all who have died but have not yet reached heaven. So kind of like all of that together, I guess they just chose the 31st of October. (laughs) So that's where Halloween originated. And going along with that, now this I did know, and I'm sure a lot of you know, is the reason we dress up on Halloween also coming from the Celtic and European people, was to hide from the spirits who came back to Earth. So people would wear masks uh, when they would leave their homes, especially after dark, so that they could blend in with the ghosts. The kind of <laughs> This kind of reminds me of, um, have you ever seen the movie, the Disney movie, Halloween Town? Like when she goes to Halloween Town, they blend in you know, with the monsters, so they fit in. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Great movie, by the way. But also, 
To keep ghosts out of their house, they would place bowls of food outside to make them happy. <gasps> That's, oh, can you imagine if we would be like trick or treat and then you get like a vegetable or a fruit? I mean, I wouldn't mind a fruit, but like a vegetable. Whatever you harvested that year, right? Which around this time is like pumpkins, apples. What else grows around this time? <laughs> I guess it depends on where you live, right? Now here's a creepy fact. So if little ones are listening, cover their ears, y'all. But they shouldn't be listening. Did you know that cats have been part of the history of Halloween for centuries? Now during the ancient Celtic festival... Festival? <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. Festival of Samhain, priests would sacrifice cats along with other animals as part of a ritual to predict the future. They often would wear animal heads and skins during this ritual. The Celtic people were fucking crazy. <laughs> they really were. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did not know that fact. Which probably goes along with the legend of sacrificing a cat on Halloween night. As a child, you would hear that, you know? Like, oh, it's a black cat. Be careful. They're going to want to sacrifice it. Like, yeah. Or the, I don't know if it's necessarily a Halloween thing. But, like, just in general, to see a black cat is a bad omen. Especially if it crosses your path. And believe me, I have seen many a black cat. And maybe that's why I have such bad luck in life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, let's get into today's story. It's a quick one, but it's really good. Now, the more I looked into this story, the more I was writing on it. I'm pretty sure I heard this story before on Unsolved Mysteries or Forensic Files, one of those shows, one of the many true crime shows that I watch. However, even if you know it, it's still a good one. So here we go. Let's take a trip back to Halloween of 1957. This story is known as the trick-or-treat murder. So this story begins with an LA salon owner. Now he owned a few salons around the LA area. His name was Peter Fabiano. So long story short, Peter opens the door expecting to hand out dulce and instead is greeted by a man wearing a Halloween costume. The man was also holding a brown paper bag. Leaving no time for reaction, Fabiano barely had time to stand before being shot in the chest by a gun that was pulled out of the bag. The masked man ran from the scene, and Fabiano's wife comes to the door to see what happened and finds her husband in a pool of blood and loses it. Now I'll go into more detail about the crime later, but that's just an overall of what I'm going to be talking about. Now his wife still managed to call 911, but by the time they arrived, Fabiano was dead. Um, he died actually on the way to the hospital. Now police immediately assumed that the person in the mask did this intentionally to Fabiano. It was a hit, right? Had to be. Now the only witness to the shooting was a teenager who said they saw a car speed away from the neighborhood. So they described the car to police. No gun shells were left at the scene and nothing had been taken from the house. He was just shot and the person ran away. Now remember, this family, the Fabianos, they, they owned quite a few salons around the LA area. So like I said, they thought it was a hit. The whole crime scene, the whole story, the way it happened had characteristics of a gang hit. But 
Peter really didn't have a criminal background. The only charge he ever had was for bookmaking in 1948. So he had really no connection to any crime. So that lead was terminated pretty quickly. So Peter Fabiano was a retired Marine. Like I said, he never really got in trouble with the law. And him and his wife, Betty, were in business together, owning the salons. And they weren't rich, but they also lived a very comfortable lifestyle. Like, you know, they had a little extra to do a little extra, you know? So they were well off. Nothing lavish, just comfortable. Now, they both met in the 1940s. Uh, Betty was already divorced from her first husband and was a single mother of two. But they began their marriage in New York and moved to Los Angeles the year prior to Peter's death. So they were new to LA. So because they're business owners, they start investigating the people around them. They still believe that somebody did this intentionally, so it had to be somebody that they knew. So they start talking to the people they work with, and one name in particular kept coming up and caught the attention of police. Now, the night of the murder, Betty told police that she thought she heard two people at the front door when Peter went to open it. Two men, but one pretending to be a woman. When asked if Peter had any enemies, she gave them one name. The name was Joan Rabble. Now, Joan Rabble was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1917. She was a writer and photographer. In 1957, she arrived at Peter Fabiano's salon and he hired her to take pictures. So Joan and Betty became really good friends and they welcomed her into the family. Now, Joan Rabble and her husband were very close to the Fabianos. Joan and Betty Fabiano became really good friends. You could say best friends. Now in talking to Joan Rabble, they discover that the Fabianos had some marital issues. And that's pretty normal, you know, no one really has the perfect marriage. And if you say you do, then you're lying. <laughs> but yeah, so Betty and Peter, they, they've got some issues. So Betty shares that with her new best friend, Joan. And in doing so, Joan and Betty become very close. Very close. What happens is Betty ends up moving in with Joan and her husband. Just to get away. You know, sometimes you just gotta get away. It helps sometimes. But in doing that, it's rumored that the two women became very intimate with each other during that time period. Which in the 50s... You wouldn't even fathom that, you know? Two women in love, oh my Jesus. But power to them, though. For real, I wish society always let, let us love who we love. Imagine that world. So Betty actually stood with Joan, like I said, and Peter Fabiano found this out, and he was very jealous and pissed, to be honest. He was mad at Joan. Now, somehow, Peter Fabiano talked to Betty, and he convinced her to come back home and fix the marriage. However, he gave her one condition. And that condition was that she would give up her relationship with Joan Rabble and it would be done. No friendship, nothing. So Betty Fabiano agrees and she's going to try it. She's going to save her marriage. Remember, during this time, being gay, she probably was like, I should probably just fix this with my husband. I can see why she went back to her husband. So she goes back. But this pisses off Joan. <laughs> so now Joan is upset. She is so upset that she begins to plot revenge against Peter Fabiano. Joan was heartbroken. 
without her best friend. She wanted Betty all, all to herself, pretty much, and she reaches out to another friend by the name of Goldine Pizer. Goldine, yes. <laughs> what a name. Now, rumor has it that Goldine was also gay, and she was recently divorced and suppressed her feelings for women for years. So Joan ends up seducing Goldine and convinces her to kill Peter Fabiano. Yes, she wants revenge, remember? And she's gonna kill Peter Fabiano. And Goldine is pretty much like, yeah, babe, I'll do it. I'll kill the idiot. Oh, the things we do for love. <laughs> don't don't ever kill somebody for love, y'all. Not worth it. So anyway, so Goldine goes out. She buys a 38 caliber. No, 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 sorry. I'm not good with guns, y'all. I hate guns, first of all. <laughs> so she buys a 38 Smith & Wesson from a shop in Pasadena. And she chooses Halloween night. So Goldine pretty much sits. She does it like Michael Myers style, guys. Yeah. She pretty much sits outside of the Fabiano home and waits until all the lights turn off. Now, Joan had borrowed a car from a friend, and that was the vehicle that Goldine used. So Goldine puts on this superhero eye mask, hides the gun in a brown paper bag, and walks up to the home. This was around 11 p.m., so trick-or-treating was pretty much over, but Betty Fabiano claims that they had just gotten into bed. The doorbell rings, and Peter, lovely Peter, is like god damn trick-or-treaters but he still gets up grabs a bowl of candy and he's like i'll just give it to them and i totally get this because at the end of the night like you start giving out handfuls of candy because you're gonna get left with all that candy so that's probably how he was like god let's get rid of this candy but imagine if he didn't answer the door because some people do that too they just don't answer the door <laughs> Yeah, things could have been a lot different. So he opens the door, and boom, immediately he's shot. Now right after the murder, Goldine disposed of the gun in a storage locker in an L.A. department store. Now an anonymous tip came in and actually led detectives to the gun, and then a few days later, right to Goldine Pizer. Now she lived in Hollywood, and when the cops arrested her, the poor girl... I mean, I don't feel sorry for her, but like the poor girl, she was just like, oh, what a relief to get this off of my mind. That's an actual quote she said. Now, police arrest Joan shortly after because the story finally comes out. Now, remember, it's the 50s. So they had these two women examined extensively. Oh, yeah. They had psychiatrists evaluate them just to see if the court actually would allow them to stand trial because... In this day and age, well, not this day, <laughs> in this time, they viewed homosexuality pretty much as a mental illness. Now, both Joan and Goldine pleaded not guilty, but they do end up changing their pleas later on. Goldine pleaded insanity and claimed that she was easily influenced by Joan. Joan, however, refused to say anything. Even during the trial, she would sit there with a strange smile the entire time. Now she was probably living it up because she's like, I did what I wanted to do and if I have to go to prison, I will. So both women end up being charged with second degree murder and they're sentenced to five years to life. Now Goldine was released and stood in LA. She died in 1998 at the age of 83. So she lived a pretty long life. But not much is known about Joan. But it's assumed that she too was released around that same time in the late 90s. Now, Betty Fabiano, she sold their salons and lived in Palm Desert, California. To this day, though, 
It is not fully known if Betty took part in the planning and murder of her husband. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think Betty had part with these two other women to murder her husband? Who, if she was suppressing feelings of being intimate with women, you know, maybe her husband made her sick and she was just like, yeah, let's get rid of him. I don't know. I couldn't find any other information. I couldn't find if she lived out the rest of her life as a lesbian or anything like that, but yeah. <laughs> so that was the trick-or-treat murder. And the reason that story caught my attention was because, first of all, somebody's stalking you on Halloween night and planning to murder you and then shows up at your door wearing a mask. Worst nightmare scenario. Now, like I promised in my Instagram post, I have a spooky story to end the night with. This is not a real story, or is it? <laughs> I'll let you be the judge. Don't be too scared. They're not that scary. <laughs> um, but maybe you can share these stories with your family, with your kids. Um, maybe with your kids. <laughs> um, maybe around the campfire. I know my family and I like to have a lot of bonfires in the fall. This story is called The Ouija Board Knocks Back. From Reddit user Excrement Cranium. In high school, my friends and I were messing around with a Ouija board one night. We had done it before and nothing remarkable had ever happened. We usually did it to try and scare each other or our girlfriends. We all thought it was a joke. That night, there was no one else home except the seven of us and we were all together around the board. One of the girls there wanted to try it. She had never done it before. This time was different. The board misspelled some of the words the same way every time. It gave answers that seemed really historically accurate for our town, things we neither knew or cared about. Long story short, the spirit claimed it was a 10-year-old boy who had died on the property in the 1800s and was buried there too in an unmarked grave. My friend's house was on a farm in the edge of town. We were all a little freaked out because the board had never been so detailed and consistent. However, we were still skeptical and we were all assuming one of us was trying to scare the rest. Finally, my friend asked if the spirit could do something to prove he was there with us. It went to yes and then spelled out K-N-O-C-K. Then the planchet stopped moving. We just all stared at it silently, and then there was a rap, rap, rap on the window right next to us. The lights were on outside, and there was absolutely no one there. We never touched that fucking board again. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that spooky little story. I do not mess with the Ouija board. Hell no, I will not even be in the same place as the Ouija board. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in today, guys. I will see you on Friday for Freaky Friday. I'm going to try my best to stay with some Halloween facts or spooky facts about Halloween. So I will see you Friday. Remember, find me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook groups. Just find me at Creepy Chisme. Always open to hear your stories or experiences. Just email me at creepychisme for you. That's the number 4 Y O U at gmail.com.
or you can just message me on one of my social media platforms. And also, don't forget, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give me a five-star rating and leave a comment. I'd love to read it. Hope it didn't scare you too much today, y'all. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy.